Welcome to the Layer 8 Podcast. This podcast is in conjunction with the Layer 8 Conference, which is happening for the third year on Saturday, June 6th, 2020 in Providence, Rhode Island. The Layer 8 Conference is the first one to solely focus on social engineering and open source intelligence, or OSINT, gathering. Social engineers and OSINT investigators always seem to have a great story, and you can hear many of those stories through their presentations at the conference. But not every story can fill a whole presentation, and not all storytellers can get to the conference, which brings us here. This podcast will only be stories told by the investigators themselves. No interviews, no slides, just stories. Some might be as short as five minutes, some may even go for 45 minutes. I hope you'll enjoy them. For this episode, we welcome Joe Gray, a senior OSINT specialist at Complex. He's a frequent speaker at conferences and a trainer of OSINT in social engineering. Joe joins us to tell us how he got into the field and how he got to where he is today. He also tells a second story about a particular phishing engagement where a senior manager built him up as someone who was unstoppable. But was he? Let him tell you how it went. Take it away, Joe. So, uh, welcome to uh, my story here. Uh, I'm Joe Gray, a uh, very passionate social engineer and uh, OSINT enthusiast. About me by by day, I'm a senior OSINT specialist at Complex and the uh, principal trainer at the Ascension uh, the other 16 hours of the day. So I've, I've been in social engineering uh, for about, uh, I would say, five to four to five years uh, right now. Uh, and I'll share with you my origin story of social engineering. A lot of people uh, come to social engineering via various ways. Some people through the SECTF, some people because they had a rough childhood and they had to do it to survive. Uh, some people because it was cool and sexy, uh, which it totally is. And then uh, people like me. Uh, my reason is I had completed a master's degree. I was in a doctorate program. I was in one of the uh, dissertation colloquia sessions. Side note, I did not finish that doctorate. I'm instead uh, starting to ramp up on a different program and work on a different doctorate. Uh, but anyway, uh, through the session, we were brainstorming on problem statements and identifying issues uh, from an academic perspective that we could solve. And they said, hey, you know, you want to identify one pebble of sand in the ocean. You're not trying to boil the ocean. So in doing so, they suggested that we look at industry documentation, even though you can only use 15% of your sources coming from industry sources uh, as opposed to academic, uh, they said, go look at some industry problems and see what uh, you can find with this. Well, at that time, uh, ransomware was all the rage. And the DBIR had just came out, the ISTR had just came out, and basically uh, the consensus of those documents was that uh, phishing was one of the leading causes of ransomware. Well, I, I read some seminal work on it. Uh, so I, I, I had previously, a couple years prior, already read Frank Abengill's uh, Stealing Your Life. Uh, I had read uh, some of Kevin Mitnick's work. Uh, I was turned on to uh, Chris Hadnagy's uh, Social Engineering, The Art of Human Hacking. 
So I read through that stuff, and then uh, from there, I realized, hey, you know, this is going to make it a lot easier for me because talking about social engineering, I can bring in psychology and sociology journals for my references to count towards my 85% of my references being academic. So in that sense, I was like, okay, how does this work? So I started watching some videos. I saw some stuff from the SECTF. I saw uh, the video uh, that Chris Hadnagy put out uh, where uh, he has a uh, lady demonstrating that uh, she's able to take over a guy's life basically by vishing. So I, I started researching on that. And then going back to a lot of what Frank Abigail had said in Stealing Your Life, that turned me on to the OSINT. And with OSINT, I hadn't heard the term OSINT specifically as OSINT. Uh, it had just been reconnaissance prior to. So I started digging uh, through that and got really passionate about that as well. A lot of the sources that Frank Abengale talked about uh, in Stealing Your Life are no longer valid, but uh, it laid the groundwork for the way you should think about things before you work through a project. So in doing the research, I just basically tried to read everything. And then honestly, I would uh, just try to make conversation with people I wouldn't normally talk to. Uh, and even now, I, I mean, Patrick's seen this uh, at Layer 8. When you get a gathering of large social engineers together, the bravado uh, amongst the social engineers is just oozing. And more or less, uh, the social engineers try to challenge each other. Hey, you know, see if you can get this information out of this person. And it's usually really benign information, probably the most dangerous thing might be a mother's maiden name, which if I ever ask you what your mom's name was before she was married, that's really what I'm trying to get. But anyway, uh, I just started talking to people, you know, homeless people, uh, people of different ages, people who didn't fit in with society. I mean, uh, depending on the city, I mean, I'll be honest, I was in New Orleans and I uh, ended up having a conversation uh, with a sex worker about uh, social engineering and how how that sex worker worked on picking their clientele and doing their soliciting. And uh, it was really insightful in terms of how that sex worker read body language. And that's something that obviously when we're fishing and vishing, we really can't do. That's more for the on-prem physical type thing, but it helps you understand what makes people tick. And then to get better at OSINT, what I really started doing was uh, I was in several groups on Facebook and I solicited people in the group I knew a little bit about, but I didn't know a lot about it. It would be different than like going and searching for my mom because I, I, I know everything that I could possibly find about my mom or I would like to think I do. So I solicited these quasi strangers to allow me to do OSINT operations against them. And basically the agreement was, uh, I have their consent to do it. I'm not going to attempt password resets or any of that fishy behavior. But what I am going to do is see what I can find. And if I find anything that's very startling, I would let them know immediately, you know, standard rules of a pen test. And then at the end, I would just say, this is exactly what I found. And here is a link to where I found it. And I found a lot of stuff on them that they uh, didn't really uh, expect. Uh, and that's more or less how I 
did uh, the, the intro levels of my social engineering at OSINT. Uh, fast forward a few years, I'm having a podcast now, and this is speaking in the past, and I had uh, Justin Seitz on. Uh, I had him on because I was interested in learning about Black Hat Python and Gray Hat Python that I had recently acquired in Humble Bundles. Uh, but we got to talking and he was talking about OSINT and I was like, this sounds very interesting. And as he talked, I was like, I've been doing this for years. I just didn't know this was what it was called. And basically his response was, yeah, that's not uncommon. A lot of people have that response. So then fast forward to DerbyCon 2017, I decide I'm going to submit to the SECTF and uh, I did just that. So I got uh, my target assigned and I, uh, did everything that I needed to do in terms of the OSINT phase. In fact, I came in second place in the OSINT phase uh, by about 30 points, second to Kat Murdoch. Uh, so shout out to her. But then whenever it came time to get in the booth, I, uh, I pulled out a little bit of my accent because the target company was in Louisville, Kentucky. And as people answered the phone, if they had an accent, I used an accent. If they didn't, I didn't use the accent. And I had done some research about some local craft beers, some local eateries, and then, of course, bourbon. Uh, but I chose not to talk about bourbon because I'm not a fan of bourbon. I can't talk the whiskey talk unless it's moonshine. And you get moonshiners versus, versus bourbon people, and it just it creates a fight no one wants to have. So, uh, And through my OSINT, I had learned that a majority of the people who worked at this Target company uh, were either foodies or uh, craft beer snobs. So I just had a list in what I call my binder of doom, which had all of my OSINT in it. It had a list of all the flags. Uh, it had a list of my pretexts uh, and the questions that I was going to ask as I was putting them together. And as I needed to casually drop something in, uh, in the call, like if I needed to casually drop uh, the name of a craft beer, I was able to rapidly look at that within my binder and just mention it without having to recall it. So in doing so, in my 20 minutes on the phone, uh, I raked up quite a few points uh, and I just had luck of the draw because Kat's calls were a little bit later in the day and uh, uh, she didn't have quite the same luck. So I ended up winning. It was by a pretty wide margin. Um, and I had even went as far as I found a picture of my target company's badge on Instagram, which if you don't check Instagram for badges, you're doing it wrong. But somebody had posted the picture of a badge on the back. So I was able to get a serial number on it. And on the final call, uh, they forwarded me to security. And instead of choosing to hang up, I chose to try to get some stuff out of security. I got three flags out of security before he asked me for my uh, badge number. And we were at like 19 minutes, 15 seconds at this point out of 20 minutes. I start reading a badge number. I just make something up and then I throw the letter A in the middle of it. And he's like, the letter A, we don't have letters in our badges. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me put my glasses on. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a four. Uh, and then about that time, the, the buzzer went off and the call was dropped. But yeah, it's just a matter of uh, thinking on your feet, tap dancing, if you will. The rules of improv typically apply. The philosophy I try to take with things is that I uh, I like to let people 
arrive at their own conclusions and just guide the conversation from there. Uh, I let people try to think they know what's going on and then take it from, uh, take it from there. That's pretty much the, the big story. Uh, I can, I can share a fishing story if you'd like regarding a, a fishing story. Let's go ahead and get our spin casters and our vests on. Make sure you have some waders because it's about to get deep. I was working as a consultant and, uh, my vice president had uh, put me over to the client. Oh, this guy is amazing. He's good at this. You know, you won't detect him, this and that. And a lot of what I would actually consider somewhat unrealistic expectations. Uh, but anyway, I get on the engagement. Uh, through my OSINT, I learn that the CEO is retiring in one week and the COO is taking over. The COO is currently on vacation. So... From a burner email address, I send him an email. I get about his out-of-office response. That allows me to take the signature line. Yes, I could have just taken the signature line from the point of contact for the engagement. I totally could have. But sometimes executives have different signature lines, and I wanted to have the precise signature line of the COO whenever I did this engagement. From there, I go off, I do a little bit more OSINT, I enumerate some employees. I already have an employee list of who I'm supposed to send phishing emails to, but I'm just trying to get a little bit of an idea of the culture around the organization. I took a few direct quotes from press releases. Basically, I wrote my own press release, more or less, but I took direct quotes from other press releases and I put in an email. The target company was on a .com. I bought the dot us to their dot com. I paid for one month of G suite and I tied that email or that domain to that email. And I, I didn't spoof. I call it squatting on that execs uh, username. I bought a secondary domain that was like CGI hyphen Ben dot coffee. I think, I don't know. It was one of the cheap domains. It may have been .tk. But anyway, it was CGI-bin. So then I spun up a cheap $5 DigitalOcean droplet. I installed Apache on it. I set up DNS to where it was like company name, employee satisfaction survey, .cgi-bin.coffee. So at this rate, uh, I think the .us was like $14.00. Uh, the cheap domain was 99 cents G suites, $5 for the entire month. And, um, the, uh, um, digital ocean droplet is $5 for the entire month. But you know, that's assuming you use it the entire month. So, um, I've got this set up. I go off and, uh, I make a clone of survey monkey, uh, on the login page for survey monkey. I, put a high-res version of the company's logo there, and I changed the verbiage to where it's asking for email address and password, or I'm sorry, username and password, uh, with a note that this is tied to uh, Active Directory. So their internal credentials would be what's used for this survey. Uh, it's also important to note that I also installed Let's Encrypt. We had a green padlock. So within the email, I sent everything out. Uh, with the email, I, I put together the direct quotes. I said, hey, you know, uh, the CEO's done a lot of great things over his uh, umpty 
million years as CEO. Uh, here's a bit.ly link to take a survey so I can find out how to better serve you as the CEO uh, in the coming uh, weeks. So as a byproduct, please do this. Uh, people who conduct the survey will be entered uh, for an Amazon gift card. And uh, basically, it was just a well-thought-out email. It took them to the page that had the, the clone of SurveyMonkey with a high-res company logo on it asking for AD credentials. Uh, had the Let's Encrypt green padlock. And then I altered the code, uh, obviously, to where it wasn't going to send uh, data to SurveyMonkey. But what I did was I actually had it to where it, the data was transferred in the URL as a get request. Uh, I did that because I didn't have the time in the billable hours for the consulting engagement uh, to actually stand up a database and do all of that. And I didn't want to use an automated solution because in my experience, automated solutions get caught pretty easily. Uh, so uh, by doing the Git request, that writes everything to the Apache log. So uh, that made it relatively easy on my behalf for that. So. I send the email out low and slow. What I mean by low and slow is I don't like to send 500 emails at a time uh, because a lot of filters may pick up on that. So I sent like 10 to 15 at a time, uh, irregular intervals. It was like uh, random times between five and eight minutes uh, and uh, a number between uh, eight and 17, I think. Uh, those may not be precise numbers, but you get the idea. Uh, so... I get about, I want to think it was between 25 and 30% of the emails sent. And then all of a sudden, I'm blocked. I'm like, man, my vice president put me over so hard and I couldn't even get all these emails out. Darn. So I go and I start checking my Apache log and I've only gotten like two credentials. And one of them, one of them was, yeah, okay, don't you wish you could have my password? I was like, oh, man. I'm in for it. So I drop my head in despair. I go about my business. I do stuff for another week or so. And then uh, it comes time to do the reporting. And what had happened was uh, I logged into the uh, Apache server to get everything down. And all of a sudden I had all these additional credentials and it was from the company IP address, uh, which you can see within the Apache log. So I was rather puzzled. How did this happen? Well, um, <clears throat> that I had about a 6% success rate before uh, everything happened. Afterwards, it jumped up to, I think it was like 43, 45%. And then I logged into the G Suite. This email address had been added to several sensitive internal mailing lists as if it were the CEO. That, that was the biggest problem. That, that warranted an immediate call to my security point of contact. And on that call, he let me know why my success rate had jumped from 6 to 40-something percent. It was blocked by a network administrator that was not privy to the fact that a pen test was going on. Someone forwarded the email to the network administrator, and the network administrator forwarded the email to everyone and said, don't click this link without neutering the link. So basically, the network administrator created a Streisand effect of sorts, and I was like, hey, don't click this, and everybody's like, 
what? Oh, click. And uh, the success went from there. So a lot of things to unpack with that. I mean, <clears throat> automated solutions sometimes work. Uh, depending on what you're trying to do with them, they, they can be great. Um, for general, like, monthly or weekly awareness adventures, absolutely. If you're trying to fish to gain access and actually prove a point, uh, I highly discourage doing that. Uh, I'm a huge fan of using O365 or G Suite because no one in their right mind is going to block email coming from mail.google.com or mail.outlook.com or mail.microsoft.com. They're just not going to do it because that's going to complicate things when dealing with the general public like HR type stuff. So with that being said, uh, the G Suite, uh, like I said, it's $5 a month if you go the whole month. So for this fish, I basically spent $5 for G Suite, $5 for DigitalOcean, uh, we'll say $15 on uh, domains. And for right about 25 bucks, I was able to get domain admin credentials on the organization. And I didn't share the passwords. I just shared who fell victim. It was like, these people need to change their passwords. Alternatively, if they wanted, I could have shared the passwords, but I wouldn't have said to whom they belonged. But I don't like the idea of sharing passwords because I, I can't uh, ensure that all points of contact are acting altruistically and won't misuse that data to uh, attempt to harass or stalk uh, their fellow employees. So, yeah. But depending on the size of it, I mean, if you have like 5,000 passwords that you can give an organization, say, yeah, these are the passwords that your employees entered, I don't foresee many, if any, employees being able to narrow each password down to uh, each person. Yeah, they could they could do like credential stuffing and work that way um, for spraying. But uh, yeah, I don't, that's a lot of work just to harass somebody. But that's pretty much uh, my uh, adventures within uh, the socials. Great stories, Joe, and thank you for telling them. And thank you for listening to the Layer 8 Podcast. If you want to learn more about us, you can check us out at layer8conference.com or on Twitter at layer8conf, C-O-N-F. Thank you very much and hope you enjoyed it.